0: You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast, and tonight we're talking about the Toho 1965 Special Effects Extravaganza Godzilla versus Monster Zero. You no trouble.
1: You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. Sir, yes, sir. Oh, yes. I was wondering what would brave. First, your what? spirit, all your money. If you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. God is dead. Hey, Satan God? lives. The air is one. Fill your. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportions. What do you mean? Biblical. What do you mean is Old Testament, yeah Mayor? Real wrath of God type stuff. Dead fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years
2: of darkness. Earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice. Dogs and cats living together. That's hysteria.
0: Welcome to the podcast. I am Brian Elkins. With me here tonight, Mr. Paul Williams. What's happening? What's happening? We decided to do this film tonight. Unfortunately, Horaru Nakajima, the man that was in the Godzilla suit, from the first Godzilla to the film we're going to talk about tonight, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, um, I think all the way up until Godzilla vs. Gigan, he he was Godzilla, and a bunch of other kaiju, and and a bunch of other Toho special effects films. Uh, He passed away. This is kind of our tribute episode. You know, we're, we're fans of Godzilla. This guy made a, a huge impact on, on, on our childhood, and even still now, just watching these movies.
2: It wasn't. I imagine it wasn't exactly easy work playing Godzilla back in those days. You know, that, uh, oh god, I
0: can't even imagine that because those suits weighed a ton. You got to remember, this is before like you know thin latex and things like that. We have you know modern day stuff now. But, they had some close calls in, in like water tanks where the guys are falling in the water with those Godzilla suits on. Once they get wet, they, man, they're so heavy they can't get out of the water.
2: These these suits weren't exactly made out of like flame retardant materials and and stuff like that either.
0: No, you can. There's a couple shots where you can see you can see some of the suits are on fire. Some of the some of the monsters are are burning.
2: It's kind of dangerous work, man, because you know. They they didn't use CGI or anything of that nature. So like when you're seeing all these explosions and everything else, they're they're just freaking pyrotechnics. That's all they are.
0: You can tell there's certain shots where like you know fire comes up and it it doesn't look to scale. Like the explosions don't happen to scale. You know fires, fire is a hard thing to to get right and scale. You know like on a model to yeah. have, a, have a flame, have yeah. you know have that that same look and feel same with water too it's hard to get like waves to it's hard to make small waves look like they're really giant waves on the ocean
2: you know hats off man you know because the real the real people that sh- that shine to me in this film and in a lot of these godzilla films the older toho films are the people who whom you never even see on the screen you know the guys who build the suits and do the effects and you know, build the sets and and all that. Like I feel that those guys are really kind of like the unsung heroes of a, of a lot of the Godzilla franchise.
0: Yeah, I th- I think a lot of people still look at Godzilla movies like, oh, they're they're just they're just B movies with giant monsters and it's a, it's a guy in a suit and he's going around destroying models. And I I do I do have a little bit of a problem with that <laughs> of that kind of thinking, um, because I do think a lot of hard work went into these movies and and to dismiss them as, as B films really just because of the time period in which they were made and that they were made outside of America
2: yeah i mean and, and not only that it's it's completely discrediting to the to the you know to the people that really did you know kind of put their heart and soul and and blood sweat and tears into making you know these these godzilla films
0: even critics at the time were were really hard on godzilla films a lot more like undeservingly so Um, man, I mean, some of them look, I mean, there's more than 30 Godzilla movies, 30 more than 30, I think now or are going to be. And, uh, you know, especially with that Netflix series coming out, right? Uh, they're doing that anime version of that. So there's, I think uh, there's going to be three of those plus, uh, we're getting at least two more movies from Warner brothers. So there's Godzilla coming out all over the place, but I mean, yeah, you're gonna get some bad movies inside of thirty, a, a series that runs thirty films long. Look, there's bad Bond movies, but the whole Bond series is not shitty. Yeah, there's some there's some weak entries for sure. Nobody's saying that. I I don't want to dismiss the you know the whole series because of
2: well, you can't hit a home run all the time,
0: man. Yeah, uh, you, you can't, you can't. But you know, uh, th- you know, one of the reasons we picked you know uh, Godzilla versus Monster Zero or Monster Zero or Invasion of Astro Monster. The Great Monster War, whatever title you want to call this, because it does have all those titles. <laughs> um, yes, I, this is one of the better Godzilla movies, man. Um, it's a fan favorite. It, it's one of my favorites. It's yes, not it my is.
2: favorite, but I think it's the first
0: Godzilla film I ever saw too.
2: Yeah, the first Godzilla movie I ever saw was the original black and white Godzilla. That was that was the first Godzilla movie I ever saw, and I remember I remember seeing that as a kid. And I also remember the, the Godzilla cartoon that used to come on. Up. up from the depths, 30 stories high, breathing fire, his
1: head in the sky, Godzilla, 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 and Godzuki.
2: Oh, the Hanna-Barbera one? Yeah, the Hanna-Barbera Godzilla cartoon, yeah. Don't forget about Godzuki. Godzilla. I remember as a kid thoroughly enjoying it.
0: Well, where does Where does Monster Zero rank in your in your Godzilla film ranking? Oh. Is, is it top? Is it low? Where 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 are we putting this film here?
2: I'd say about number three, man. I'd
0: probably put it low. I probably this is probably like number five or six somewhere somewhere in that. It, it is so good, though, um, man.
2: I think they were trying to add another element into the Godzilla universe.
0: It goes very sci fi in this um, one.
2: Yeah, this one does go very... It leans more towards sci-fi than big-ass monster movie. But then at the same time, I also feel like Monster Zero was trying to appeal more to a Western audience as well.
0: Yeah, it was. And perhaps to children
2: as well. And I also feel like that's what really... Brought the sci fi element in was the fact that they were maybe trying to appeal to Western audience more with the sci fi in it.
0: Uh, I know I, I, I think they were always gonna because I mean, these were science, you know, these are all science fiction films, and they had done a series yeah. of science fiction movies. Uh, Shira Honda and Eiji Tsuburaya, and the uh, the producer, um, Tomi Tanaka, these mm-hmm. guys had been, pro- been doing like sci fi movies in Toho before introducing oh, wow. heavy sci-fi elements into Godzilla because they did like the Mysterians. Um, they, they did there's a there's a bunch like um they did before
2: you know granted Godzilla's roots do definitely stem in sci-fi the original Godzilla really is kind of a I would really if I were to, to categorize it I would consider it as a sci-fi monster movie
0: yeah you know they definitely had that whole metaphor for the atomic bomb and everything.
2: I still find that to be kind of crazy, man, because even now, you know, those, those like atomic mushroom clouds and, and, and blasts and stuff like that are still very prevalent in Japanese cinema today.
0: Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the first Godzilla movie that they did get a little criticized for that um, because, you know, some of the imagery of Godzilla destroying Tokyo was very reminiscent of the destruction after the atomic bomb i mean and that was done on purpose that was not an accident i mean they purposefully intentionally did that but it, it is interesting to see like that movie uh the first godzilla came out in 1954 and here we are um the sixth godzilla film uh this yeah. is in 1965 so 11 years later and all of a sudden now god is uh godzilla is a uh is is kind of a, kind of a protector of earth at this point like he is literally kicking alien ass Earthlings, I'm gonna stand up for you. You know what I mean. He's he's kind of the defender of the planet. The him and Rodan, I guess to be fair, not just Godzilla.
2: Yeah, in this movie in particular, like Rodan and Godzilla are are definitely the defenders and protectors of the Earth.
0: But I mean, it's it's such a huge jump, man. I mean, even it's even crazy when you think about it. Like this film came out 20 years after the atomic bomb was detonated. You know, it was dropped. Now the metaphor that was that atomic bomb is now a kitty. Is it being aimed at kids? You know what I mean. It's just kind of bizarre when you when you think about it. And then after this, Godzilla even gets more kiddie. Like he gets uh, a son, and it, comedy starts getting
2: really added in. And I feel like at this at this point in time, I guess it's almost a natural evolution in Godzilla, where Godzilla originally started off as kind of more of a serious movie that was that was kind of meant to scare people. And then it's really weird how you see that transition get made, almost like appealing to children.
0: I mean, I, I think these are—it's—it's it's fair to call them kids' films. You know, after this, I don't think there's anything, anything wrong with that. You know, I don't have any problems with watching Goonies today.
2: <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no. And I mean, I, I agree. I agree with you 100. All All right, so
0: Godzilla versus Monster Zero. You brought up earlier that. Talking about uh, making it for a, a Western audience. Now, there is an American actor, Nick Adams. The movie was produced by Henry G. Saperstein. So there was this was an actual co-production between yeah. Toho Studios in Japan and Henry G. Saperstein Ch- bringing in American money. So, yeah, they they put an American actor to try to raise the international box office.
2: You know, you throw uh, Nick Adams in there. And it really, it's really weird. Nick Adams does have a little bit of controversy in his career. A little bit, um, <laughs> Nick yeah, a- just, just a little bit. Nick just Adams a had a life, man. He tried to go for this Academy Award, like he he was promoting himself for, for the Academy Award, and he got a lot of uh, flack and scrutiny for that. And then,
0: well, he he, he did a, uh, like a really obnoxious like Oscar campaign. All over town, yeah. and apparently, like, pissed off the uh, producer and director of the film. Uh, I think the, the movie was Twilight of Honors. Uh, I've never seen the <clears> film. <throat> film. It's a courtroom drama. But yeah, apparently, he made him mad, and then <laughs> they, they cut him out of the movie, you not said, completely. Yeah, like- yeah, they they left they left some scenes in. Um, and he's because he he got he got the Oscar nomination. He did not win though, and um, man, he had he had a really hard time getting work after that.
2: Put a little bit of damper in his career and then the whole uh you know James Dean thing didn't help his calls too much. He had done some publicity photos.
0: Yeah, like a photo um,
2: shoot. Yeah, and and some people were saying that he was kind of exploiting the death of James Dean. Well,
0: it's cuz he well, he did do them on his tombstone like is Nick Adams like standing next to like, you know, his the gravesite of James Dean looking yeah, sad yeah. and standing next to this, you know, that rubs some people the wrong way. Um, but he I mean, he was friends with James Dean. If that's how he's gotta grieve, I'm not gonna tell somebody how they can grieve or not.
2: And I guess it also depends on what your definition of friendship is. I, I, I would say uh, <laughs> that they were a little bit more than friends.
0: There were uh you know, there there were some there's some bisexual rumors that went around that him and James Dean and It'd be wrong of me not to mention, for living in Memphis, that it was also rumored that he had an affair with Elvis Presley as well.
2: Love me tender, love me true. You know,
0: he had a lot of he had a lot of those stories, like he slept with a lot of his co stars or what. But he had those rumors, like even when he was making Monster Zero, there were rumors on the set that, or in the tabloids, I should say, and him and Kumi Muzino probably had an affair. That was the rumor, anyway. It, it was it was going all around town, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, this guy had rumors going all around him, like, he's having sex with this person and this person, and it was an actor. He was it was in the 60s. He probably was doing all that, you know? Whatever. That's cool. Well, dude, you know,
2: that kind of, that kind of also makes me think that the old saying that there's no such thing as bad publicity, I think Nick Adams would be the one person to prove that quote wrong.
0: But, like, his, his kid yeah. even found, like, um... This manuscript he wrote with his time with Elvis Presley, and uh, they published it. I think the book's called The Rebel and the King because he was in a TV show, The Rebel, uh, Nick Adams was. So The Rebel and the King, there you go. I don't need to tell you who the king is. Yeah. It's King Kong, man. Come on, who else would it be? (laughs) (laughs) It's King Kong. He was in a movie with Godzilla. Of course, he wrote a book about King Kong. It makes obvious sense.
2: He also, according to this manuscript, him and Elvis Presley also thoroughly apparently enjoyed like prescription amphetamines too. Yeah, I mean
0: it was the sixties, man. I don't know. I don't know. It, you know, it wasn't just the sixties. The the guy, look, the guy obviously unfortunately had some demons, and he he took he took some rough spots in his career. Um, it, it's a shame because he is a good actor. I really enjoy him, his performance in this movie. He's in another Toho film, uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World, and he's good in that too
2: it It is pretty solid performance, like I feel like maybe he's a little too uptight in the film
0: I don't know it was kind of that that sixties style a little bit leftovers from the leftover from the fifties, kind of that Humphrey
2: Bogart, yeah,
0: you know, like he even does it when he does the stance and you know i when, he, when he's holding yeah, he the does. gun I, in the movie he's he's mm-hmm. Humphrey Bogart. you know what I mean like I don't know how else to describe it where it's like your one hand and your other hand's kind of like off here. you look like James Bond in the gun barrel
2: open sequence. That's exactly what it looks like.
0: That was what was macho then. And that's just I don't know if you're a leading man in a, in an action film or you know a sci-fi fantasy, you're supposed to be the tough guy, which is what you do.
2: That's the tough guy stance.
0: I don't I you know, I like it. He's got a lot of charisma, man. He he does. He he does sell me on it. I li- I like all the performers in here. Uh, really love Kumi and um She's also in a lot of the Toho movies. She's in the Godzilla movie after this as well. Sea yeah. Monster. Man, she's good in that. I love her in this. She's in uh, Matango, Attack of the Mushroom Tangier, People. Yeah. Man, that is. Yeah. She is so great in that. I think that's probably that's one of her best performances that I've seen. I haven't seen all her movies. I've mostly just seen the giant monster movie she's in. So
2: She was, uh, she was also in Frankenstein Conquers the World.
0: Yes, yeah, she was also with Nick Adams.
2: Yeah, we got uh, Akira Takarada who plays Astronaut uh Kaizu Fuji.
0: They gave him you heard his first name? I just called it I just thought it was just Glenn and Fuji, you know, Nick Adams is Glenn, Akira Takarada is Fuji. I didn't yeah. even know if Glenn was his first or last name.
2: Glenn's name was just Astronaut Glenn.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's say I don't
2: I'm serious. I'm not bullshit.
0: Well, even on uh, IMDb like uh, Akira Takarada's character says Astronaut K-, K Fuji, it's like all right. Well, what's the, what's the K stand for, dude? No, I don't remember them saying it in the movie. I don't know. Maybe they sit in the Japanese. Yeah, but I, I can't
2: remember them. Yeah, I can't ever remember them actually saying his name in the movie. But yeah, apparently he actually had and you know a full name.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, but, I I just know him as Glenn and Fuji. Whatever. Yeah, that those, those are two main the two main leads.
2: Akira Takarada, man, he he played in a. In uh quite a few Godzilla films, you know he played in. Uh, Was he? He played in the the original Godzilla in 1954.
0: Yeah, he's the the love interest. And very then, young looking too, man. I swear to God, he looks so
2: young. Yeah, he does. Really look. He looks really young. He's yeah, got such and, a baby and,
0: face, dude. Oh my gosh! It's like, dude, you're not even. You can't even grow a beard right now.
2: <laughs> and then he played in 1964's Mothra versus Godzilla. And then he played in Monster Zero. Uh, He also, if I'm not mistaken, he also played in Godzilla versus the Sea Monster. That
0: was the first directed. uh, Well, the first Godzilla movie that was directed by Jun Fukuda, and he also directed uh, another uh, Kira Takarada vehicle. I think it was. It's called Iron Finger, but uh, I think that's what they're calling it. And it's streaming on on FilmStruck. Uh, the original title is "A uh, Hundred Shot, A Hundred Kill." It's it's kind of like a a spy James Bond uh, film. It's not bad. It's pretty good if you you know if you like that kind of thing. It's worth checking out. It's streaming right now on Filmstruck. So if you have it, you should check it out. You can just look up Jun Fukuda or Kira Takarada. You should be able to find it right there. They did. I think they did like two. I think one of them is called Golden Eyes or something like that. Or go- I, mean, I can't see. I'm actually com- confuse them with James Bond titles at this point. I keep wanting to call like the iron finger, Gold <laughs> but they're, they're currently streaming right now on filmstruck. And those, you know, those are worth watching.
2: Also plays in a King Kong movie too, as well.
0: Oh yeah. King Kong escapes. We've, talk-
2: <laughs> we've yeah, talked, we've yeah, talked about I was going to say, I, I- I was pretty sure he played in King Kong Escapes.
0: <laughs> yeah, we've talked about that on the uh, on the podcast before. Uh, that was in our King Kong uh, or the Kong Skull Island episode. We went through all the Kong films, and um, yeah, if you haven't seen that, that is a Toho treat.
2: I was also reading somewhere that he did also come back for a brief cameo in 2014's Godzilla.
0: It got cut out of the movie though,
2: but. If you have the DVD or Blu ray, yeah, you can watch it. You can go take your happy self to the deleted scenes and watch the deleted scene with him.
0: We, we definitely have to mention before we move on the Kurosawa connections. Um, the producer, or actually yeah. the producer for almost all the Godzilla films, all the way up until Godzilla vs. Destroyer, uh, Tomiyuki Tanaka the producer of monster zero also produced Yojimbo um, high and low and some other Kurosawa films as well. And director Ashira Honda, man, we got to mention this guy, this, I mean, he, he directed almost every kaiju film that you, you think of in the Toho genre. I mean, he, he yep. did a lot of them.
2: Man, the movies that got directed, he, like, you know, uh,
0: not just he. Godzilla. Like he directed the first moth or the first Rodan, you know, yeah, the God, oh, yeah. All, all those Godzilla films. Like, he did a bunch of the Godzilla movies. Like, I can't even tell you. Like, I know he did more than six or seven. Because even after this, he did, he came back for Destroy All Monsters, Godzilla's Revenge, or All Monsters Attack, whatever you want to call it.
2: He worked as an assistant director under Kurosawa. But uh, I think Rand was the first film that he actually kind of directed. Well, you might as well say he was the director of it, or pretty much... Help Kurosawa because Kurosawa was kind of going blind at this point in time in his life and he couldn't see very well anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, this dude, this tells you what like an awesome individual Ashura Honda was. And man, everything you read about the guy, he was just amazing. I just an amazing, optimistic individual. <laughs> like, I, I forget what it is, but Kur- Kurosawa even had like some great quote where he's like, I always know when I'm watching Ashura Honda movie be- because you see the policemen are standing there helping like the civilians uh, get get away. He's like in reality they'd be the first people out, out of town.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, that shows you like the difference between Ashura Honda and Akira Kurosawa, but yeah, I mean, he like the last uh, end of his career when Kurosawa was going blind, he he stepped in and and AD would his films and I mean, yeah, I don't know if I'd call it like say he was directing, but Ashura Honda was still fit enough that he could actually go out there and carry out Kurosawa's wishes, I will say. I, I will say that.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kurosawa will still call it the shots. Um,
0: but sure, Honda is still just but, amazing. I mean, that that tells you how amazing that man is, right there.
2: I believe didn't he do War of the Gargantuas too?
0: Oh yeah, dude, he did. Yeah, he did. Frankenstein Conquers the World and War of the Gargantuas, which, I, man, it, it drives me kind of crazy because in in Frankenstein Conquers the World. Nick Adams and Kumi Mizuno, because War of the Gargantuas is, is a sequel to Frankenstein Conquers the World. Their characters are supposed to carry over into War of the Gargantuas, but for whatever reason, they couldn't get Nick Adams. So instead, they got the Russ Tamblin from West Side Story. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's in the movie yeah, instead. And I always hated that, dude, because I was like, no, it should be Nick Adams and Kumi Mizuno in there.
2: Yeah, it kind of does. It's kind of a little bit of a buzzkill. No not to um,
0: crap all over West Side story, man, because you know, he was awesome. Russ Tamblin's cool.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. But still, man, it's just like
0: He's just not Nick Adams cool, all right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I don't I don't want to pull favorites here, but I'm pulling favorites. He's no Nick Adams, okay? All right, guys. So we're gonna take a break. We're gonna play the trailer for Monster Zero. Uh it's also gonna have some more of the gargantuas because this movie was released five years later in the United States from when it came out. It didn't come out in 1970, and was put into a double feature with War of the Gargantuas. So this is the trailer that we have. Enjoy. Now, giant entertainment, giant terror,
1: the War of the Gargantuas, and Monster Zero. Do you see anything? From a planet 50 million miles beyond the stars came a strange message. Lend us your Rodan and Godzilla. ...to fight our Monster Zero. Earth answers, and the most dreaded creatures ever to walk our planet... ...are lifted into outer space. The stage is set for the mightiest battle ever seen by the universe... ...in Monster Zero. All forces on Earth ready to attack. What started out as a call for help from space turns into a nightmare of terror on Earth, Monster Zero, and the War of the Gargantuan. It began with a mysterious, wild storm at sea, and before the night was over, the whole world would hear of the terror of the Gargantuan. Where had such a monster come from? What forces created such a devastating destroyer? Who or what could stand up to it? Let him have it. Armies fought the monster with million-volt laser beams. Hey, look! Another one! You'll see all of their terrifying battle to the death when you come to the greatest monster movies ever made.
0: The War of Gargantuas and Monster Zero. Send us your Godzilla and Rodan to fight our Monster Zero. What a great trailer. And we're back. Of course, that was the trailer for Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, or Monster Zero, whatever you want to call this movie. Uh, and yeah, we threw in a little extra War of the Gargantuas there. Monster Zero. Which version did you watch? Did you watch it dubbed or did you watch the original
2: Japanese? I watched the dubbed version. Unfortunately, that's the only version of the film that I actually have.
0: Oh, no, man. The dub's good. I mean, I I grew up with this dub, so I I can't even remember life without, you know, this movie. I haven't haven't actually even seen the original um, Japanese version until the
2: classics. Well, isn't the Japanese
0: DVD Isn't
2: Isn't the Japanese? Doesn't it have, like, added scenes or it's, like, a little bit longer than the dub version?
0: yeah it's a little bit longer it's got a little bit here and there Um, you're not really missing too much I'll point out a couple of differences here and there but things just make sense and are a little bit better explained in the Japanese than they are in the English dub but I mean you're still getting pretty much the same movie with the same feel you know pretty much the same amount of monster fights which there's not a lot of monster fighting in this movie but we'll, we'll, we'll we'll get there we'll get there I will say, though, the beginning of the film, it starts off with the P-1 rocket, futuristic spaceship, and the Japanese, it says, in in the year, like, 1960X. I, I have no idea what that means. I guess it's a mystery year. It's, like, it's supposed to be futuristic. It's very bizarre. I
2: don't know, unless they were using X as, like, a Roman numeral.
0: That, w- that would be 10, though. That's, that's like... Going
2: back in 10. <laughs> <laughs> it's like going back in time. or Go it, to the future. Back to the future.
0: It's the year nineteen thousand six hundred. <laughs> I don't know, that's crazy. I guess maybe it could be. Um, although it doesn't look like it's set the movie's set that far in the future. Uh just just a weird difference. But the movie does start off real quick, like it wastes no time. Already off in outer space, spaceships flying, uh Earth has discovered a new planet. Mysteriously, through like radio hiding waves. behind,
2: yeah, it's hiding behind Jupiter. I kind of love this cornball, corny kind of corniness to this, you know. They're they're they're, they're conversations, man. Like when they're, <laughs> when, they're, when they're having these conversations back and forth with like the command or control center.
0: Well, Akira and... Takarada's character is very like, he's he's right away in the beginning, he's like, Hey, uh, where's my sister? Is my sister around? He's like, Well, if you tell her not to do anything stupid until I get back there. all right? I think he actually so says, Oh, once foolish. I get
2: back there, you can do all the stupid shit you want to do. <laughs> you can't do anything dumb until I get back.
0: But it's just like it automatically sets it up like he is a very protective big brother. And like they, they set this whole thing up with uh his his sister wants to marry this inventor, uh Tetsy Tori, in the movie and uh, he's inventing, okay, now this is not explained very well, did you know the device, did you know what that was, that he was making hell no I always thought it was like the weirdest kids toy ever but when you watch the Japanese they show the uh, the the there's a, like a real quick insert shot where they show the plans and the subtitle comes up and it's called the lady guard and the minute you know that it's called the lady guard, you're like, oh it's like a rape whistle or, you know what I mean it's, a, oh. it's like you know, a, a female alarm. You know, you can press the button. It's a good way to get help if Why you Why the fuck it.
2: was that cut out of the American version?
0: No, it, it, it's not cut out. The shot's in there, but it's not subtitled in the American one. And they just, they don't ever bring it up. So in the American one, he kind of looks like a crazy inventor that's like, I'm just going to make this device that makes a really annoying noise to, to piss everybody off. And I'm going to sell it to a toy company. And all the characters, like the characters in the movie are like, "You're gonna sell that to a toy company that's so bizarre yeah, and, uh, yeah even, even
2: even yeah even 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 his girlfriend man, you know me me the new she she's like, uh you know, I can't believe you actually sold that for two hundred thousand dollars. he had dreams of grandeur man and becoming a rich and and successful inventor, yeah, but when you're first you're 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 first introduced to him like. He's sitting in this room, and is it is that is that his mother that comes in there?
0: <laughs> See, I don't know if that's his landlord or if that it, if it is his mom because she's she has a baby. I, I I assume that that's like his niece that the old the old lady's carrying, and maybe that's his mom. I don't know, or maybe it's his landlord. It's not clear. It's not said at all.
2: Yeah, if that was his mother, kind of old to be having a kid that young. Yeah, you that kind of just like struck me as a little
0: odd, I guess. When the characters react to Tetsutori's selling of this lady guard, you know, in the American version, you don't know what's called the lady guard. You don't know what the, the, the idea behind the invention is, but they sell it to a toy company. It's very, yeah. it's very weird. But in the Japanese one, it's just like, wait, you're selling a, a rape whistle to a, a toy company? That is bizarre. Why are you doing it? It just makes their reactions automatically make a lot more sense in the Japanese version.
2: Yeah, that is really odd. That is that is really strange that you would sell a rape whistle to a toy company. What are, what are you going to call it? The pedo protector? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Well, I mean, yeah, what is it, yeah, is it? I don't know. That's I mean, actually you, pretty good marketing. Uh, I, like I
0: mean, the movie, of course, answers the question of why the toy company is buying it. It's not really a toy company. The toy company is up front. Uh, I forget what they're called, like the World Education Something Something Agency. or uh, Yeah. It doesn't matter, yeah. whatever. They're actually covert aliens that are trying to buy this invention because the sound that this invention makes is really deadly to the aliens.
2: The sound is as deadly to those aliens as water is to the ones in the movie sign. <laughs> yes, it is. It, it, one thing that I... It kind of boggled my mind a little bit about this movie. and I, I don't know. I don't know why it kind of stuck out to me. There's one shot when they're like, Well, we're coming around Jupiter. We should be envisioning of planet X any moment. The planet looks like somebody literally took a damn piece of cardboard, painted what they thought the planet looked like on it.
0: To be fair, they didn't have actual photos of those planets yet. This is 65. Yes. You know, I,
2: and yeah. And I understand that. But why not just. Build of a papier-mâché ball and paint it the same color. You know, it, it's,
0: it was just a real quick shot. It was a matte shot. A matte shot's easier to do than to build all those models. And, you know, it is only one shot. I understand why they did it. Yeah, it, I know. It doesn't bother I, I, me, I know.
2: I might, I might sound like a nitpicky douche, but it was just like, I kind of just didn't get it because, you know, the way the movie was edited, you're getting shots of the rocket. You're getting shots of the inside. And then when you get the shots of the planet, I just feel like they they don't fit. Okay, you know one, what I mean. Like I feel one like- thing
0: I really don't like about the rocket. It looks like they're just in a capsule, and there's like no sleeping quarters or like, yeah. Like, how where do the they hell get out? That yeah, how do they get out of the rocket when they land it? Like once you see the interior with Glenn and Fuji, and they're sitting in the rocket, it's it looks like it's uh just them in some seats. It looks like a the front seat of a yep. car. And there's nothing back yep. there at all. I mean, I, I don't yep. know if there's a bad matte shot. It's kind of hard to tell because the DVD is not I mean, is a the door. best quality.
2: There is a door between them, right? No, there's no door between them. I didn't think it was.
0: No, there's no door oh, between 100%. them. No, I
2: wasn't 100 ta- th- I, I thought it was just a bunch of like buttons and lights and panels behind them.
0: No, I, I think there's just a wall behind them. Unless there's a matte painting and that's... Trying to throw like perspective back there, but yeah it's, yeah, yeah, it's hard yeah, to yeah. tell, but I know the ones that the aliens build for them again later when the, the aliens build the p one rocket and they send them back to earth later in the movie now that rocket you, I know you can clearly see behind like it's got three seats with all three characters are sitting in it, and you look behind it and yeah. it's just a wall again like how how did you guys get in the, the ship if the, the anyway and it's a nitpicky thing, but like the the special effects team shows such attention to detail. I I think you can be a little nitpicky because the rest of the executions like are incredible.
2: But oh, just like when they land on when they land on planet.
0: Oh yeah. Um, the landing scene is pretty I love that, man. With the when the rocket comes the down.
2: Kinda, <laughs> the only thing that kinda got me was when when they step out onto the platform. You know, the door of the spaceship like folds down.
0: Oh, the puppets.
2: And, Yeah, and it becomes, like, this platform, and it's just, like, once again, 1965, and I I totally understand, it's just, like, they shot the one shot of the one, like, little steel figure puppet coming down on the spaceship, and it's in the same position as the second little puppet, you know, both characters, they're holding the same pose and everything else, and it's just, like, well, why didn't they just create, like, two different... Clay molds, or or puppets, or whatever they made it out. Of.
0: No, they did. There's two. Uh, if you look, like right afterwards, like when Glenn's coming down, because there's there's a match shot where you can actually see the actor's face um, when the elevator's going up in the rocket. Like there's a little platform that comes yeah. out of the rocket, and it acts like a yeah. little elevator goes up and down the side of the rocket, and the astronaut can walk out on it, and it'll lower him down to the surface the surface of the planet. As he's coming down, you can see there's another little puppet already off to the side on the ground. It cuts to a wide. I mean, you can yeah, totally yeah, know, tell bro. that they're puppets, yeah. but they they built they built they did build two puppets. it's not like they cheaped out and just did one. Could they have put a, I mean, could they, of... they could have probably a a guy in there, but to be honest with you, I'm actually cooler with a puppet in sixty five than a really bad composite shot with yeah. a guy that's got a bunch of blue lines. I mean, I don't mind the the composite shot with them going, with the the spaceship going up. It's just a shot of a model, and they're cutting out the window and they're putting the actor in there. That looks cool because it's a static shot. But if you have a shot of an elevator, the yeah. elevator's going to be moving, and that's just gonna. I, I would prefer a puppet, you know. And EJ Super the guy that was in charge of the special effects, like I he did all this stuff for a reason. Like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't usually question. That man knows more about. Oh, he knew more about special effects than I do right now. So he is a legend.
2: Yeah, you know, it's like the first thing—the first thing he does is, "Well, oh, I think I'm just going to go up here on this on this plateau and, and put this flag up." Oh yeah, Akira Takarata. Yeah, and I mean, which is, which is fine, you know. I mean, I have no problem with it. Once again, this is getting into yeah, and I mean, which is, which is fine, you know. I mean, I have no problem with it. Once again, this is getting into. And I hate to call it this. and i and well, You I, got a problem with him putting
0: it. a flag on the planet? He's got an know. American flag, a Japanese flag, and a UN flag, dude. He's got to set that down on the
2: rock. At the same time, you know, he – it's like you're not even concerned that there could be any threat or anything. Well, I mean, come on. Dude. They're in
0: outer space. They've never seen life before. Why would they ever be worried? Okay, I, okay. to be fair, I guess there are a bunch of giant monsters in this universe. Exactly. <laughs> on Earth. okay, Okay, exactly. to be fair, that's true. I guess exactly. the, the minute you got out of the rocket, you should, you should, you know, you should have your, uh, your, your maser can automatically. You got, yeah.
2: Yeah. Life form scanner. Touche point point taken. And then the lightning is like, these guys are like standing no way, no way's Nick Adams character and major Fuji. They're like standing no way away from each other. And like this crazy as lightning storm happens. Did you make that noise, or did you hear that? How the hell could you not hear that?
0: I remember this as a kid. This scene really creeped me out. When
2: It, it is kind of a bit creepy.
0: When Yeah, when when Fuji, like, he starts calling for, for Glenn to come in on the comms. He can't get him, and he goes back. The fucking spaceship is gone. And Glenn, nothing is there anymore. There's the crater where the ship was. Uh, when I was a kid, that, that terrified me. Now I laugh at how many times he says, Glenn. Because the dubbing is outrageous.
1: Glenn, <laughs> come in, Glenn, Glenn,
2: Glenn, Glenn, where are you?
0: Oh, dude, and those those little the the Mar- with the Planet X uh, elevators that come up, you know, and they they they, they just they, come up out of the rock. Yeah, and they look they have actual, the, the rock, uh, I guess camouflage on the on the top, and oh man, they have little little lasers. that can even disarm his gun. That is a cool, that's a cool Actually, design, you remember man. you saying like those you don't elevator remember? Tubes.
2: Those elevator tubes were awesome. But you remember when you said you don't remember them calling him by his first name?
0: Oh, is that when they did I it? believe
2: the aliens call Fuji by his first name.
0: I thought they just called him Astronaut Fuji. Oh, dude, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that. An excuse to watch this film again. Glenn, uh, Fuji gets in the elevator. He, he's taken down to the subterranean Tunnels of Planet X, and man, I love th- I love the way these tunnels are designed. I like the lighting here, yeah, which, which makes complete sense for this this civilization we're getting ready to, to find out about. Because it turns out that there's this whole society of uh, aliens on Planet X that are controlled by these computers, and and you meet their leader, and he's called the Controller, and uh it turns out you know Fuji meets up with Glenn and. They have their spaceship and they they propose their master plan of, guys, we need Godzilla and Rodan to fight Monster Zero here, which turns out to be King Ghidra. uh, Because King Ghidra is just destroying everything.
2: Well, don't they have have Ghidra as Monster Zero? Yeah. And they have Godzilla as Monster Two?
0: No, he's uh, Monster Zero One. And then I think uh, Rodan is Monster Zero Two. Which I thought was kind of weird. I was like, well, if you guys are ruled by machines, shouldn't you be binary? Shouldn't you be like Godzilla's like, monster zero? Like zero one sounds cool, but shouldn't Rodan be like zero one zero? Or I don't know, zero one one? I, I like I the setup here too. And I like the continuity. Because in the previous film, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, um, Rodan, Mothra, and um, Godzilla all go against King Ghidra to stop him from destroying the Earth. They decided to combine forces. And...
2: It straight up took the triple threat to get rid of him. <laughs> that's right, dude. The the
0: kaiju triple threat. hmm A little bit of Godzilla, Rodan, and Mothra. They're going to stop you, King
2: Ghidorah. Ghidorah still is the most formidable Godzilla foe.
0: I guess we should mention uh, Godzilla 2 that's coming out. You know, this new continuity in the MonsterVerse from Legendary Pictures, the second wing Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um is going to have that same lineup, Godzilla, Rodan, Mothra, and King Ghidra. So
2: Oh my god, that I I'm actually I'm really excited about
0: that. Yeah, it is That's, it's pretty exciting. Um yeah. I, I liked I the new like monsters be- last time, but seeing some old ones like reimagined with modern day CGI, I'm pretty pumped.
2: Oh, it would look amazing if it's done right. I really loved the way Godzilla looked in, in the 2014 Godzilla.
0: Yeah, I did too. I did too. I like that design a lot. There's not too many versions of Godzilla though that I I dislike. To be honest with you, um, there's one that I don't care much for, but we'll we'll save that for another podcast. But back to Mo- Monster yeah. Zero, the whole thing is they want Earth's Godzilla and Rodan to beat up Monster Zero, and in in exchange, these Planet X aliens are going to give. And the American cut, or in the American dub, it's the cure for all diseases. Which sounds ridiculous, but in the Japanese edit, it is the cure for cancer, or all forms of cancer, Uh, actually.
2: Which sounds way better. Yeah, why the why the hell didn't they actually do that properly?
0: I don't know. I guess it didn't fit the uh, the mouth dubbing. You know, I mean, because they do have to find words that kind of fit the mouths. I know everybody makes fun of the tobacco
2: companies ran the United States
0: in (laughs) nineteen (laughs) sixty. Ah. You know, you pro- <laughs> Paul, you probably just started a conspiracy theory. Thank you. The internet needs another one. Yes. But, okay, so it, it, it is a good offer, Um, and the, the astronauts leave. Glenn and Fuji, they go back. They tell everybody on Earth, they're like, hey, we found aliens. So Planet X may be out of out of water. Glenn mentions that in, in, in a brief scene right before uh, Fuji's got to go meet his sister and Tetsi Tori, the inventor guy who we find out is still hasn't even received payment for his invention yet. The whole point of the scene is to get all these characters in the same room so that you can find out that Glenn is dating Miss Nawekama, Kumi Muzuno's character. She also works for the company that bought Tetsuya Tori's invention.
2: The owner of the company, I mean, there's, there's a shot where he's talking to, like I guess, I guess it would be like a henchman. Yeah. the aliens just have interesting. dude's like design, man. He just like straight picks it up and just sets the shit on fire. And it's just like,
0: yeah, we're not going to have this. And his weird like alien tanning bed. What is, I guess that's what it's supposed to be. I have no idea what that is.
2: I do not know what the hell it is, but that's what it looks like.
0: I do like his weird USB port on his back though.
2: Yeah, that is pretty cool.
0: The the uh, I guess the, I guess he's the alien commander of that colony or whatever. I guess that hooks up to their their suits. You know that that's a cool thing too. Like I like how they, the, the alien suits and they have like the little hoodie that goes around their face with a little antenna sticking up and S and M get up almost really, but it it looks very
2: sterile and robotic. It is a little bit uh on the freaky diggy side,
0: but yeah. The my biggest problem with this entire movie, like you know, every movie's got like you know the thing, but the thing that drives me crazy, the series events that happen, like. Japan wants to know where Godzilla and Rodan are. They they think they're going to find Rodan, but they find Godzilla. Akira is like, yeah, they found Godzilla. And then all of a sudden, Glenn walks in, and he's like, hey, Fuji, come with me. I got to tell you something. And then they're like driving all the way out to Lake Mayagen. And it's like, what? Yeah. What? What's going on? And he pulls him over, and he's like, you drive for a little bit. Hey, uh, let, me, let me tell you a story, buddy. I had a dream last night when I was... Uh, with uh, Miss Nawi Kama, and uh, we were out in this lake, and he's like, "Oh, come on, stop telling me your love affair." He's like, "No, no, no!" And we had this dream with this controller. All of a sudden, here's a UFO getting ready to pop out of the water. It's just random, you know. It's just like everything happened yeah, just was- to get him out to the the
2: lake. Even though I do enjoy how this whole sequence is done and cut. Oh, I love I how the flying like- saucers
0: come out of the lake. Now that's um, a—I yeah, agree with yeah. that. Yeah, no, that no, that's great. I'm not saying it's not great. But once
2: again, I, I feel like that this is—if I have the biggest problem with this movie altogether, there are certain scenes that don't belong in the movie. Oh, really? And that there are certain scenes that, if you're going to put them in, they should have been cut shorter. Like, what what was the point of what was the point of the entire scene of that drop? Like, yeah, whoa, I mean, just gonna,
0: really uh, just to get him out there. I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's, I understand
2: that. But why have it?
0: I don't know. What's yeah, the it's, point? it's a it's a bad scene to get it in there. And they don't explain the dream. It's just it's dropped. That's the weird part. And it's about very it. vague. It's very vague, dude. Like, I mean, it makes sense because like and they're in bed together and then he wakes up and he sees the controller. It makes sense. The controller's there because now he comes really really a, a Planet X spy you know yep and he, he
2: just straight up engaged in interspecies erotic.
0: <laughs> there goes Nick Adams for you man. Look at that. He's 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 so good. <laughs> he's got to get it off of earth, all right? It's like what what do you do after you get the king? <laughs> you got to go off the planet, Brent brother. Oh my gosh. But it is weird cuz it was this weird dream sequence. It's it's never brought up again. There's no explanation for it. I mean, it sets up a little bit of Not mystery.
2: Really. Yeah, with his weird dream.
0: But then, they, yeah, but then yeah. they just drop it and they they never go to it. It's just, I don't know, it's kind of weird. It seems to me like you could have just gotten them out there to be like, hey, Glenn and Fuji, uh, why don't you guys go uh, help the dumb military with this stuff? Because you guys are scientists and stuff.
2: It's just like, you know, once again, it's just one of those moments where you're just like, they could have made this a little bit more simpler. Yeah, we, We're going to back up for a second. We're going to think about this on just a straight-up financial scale. This further proves my point of the uselessness of this scene. How many takes do you think it took to get that right? These guys are getting paid to do this. To do what? Shoot the this scene. This, just the scene with them in the vehicle, in the driving? driving from...
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I okay. it couldn't have cost that much.
2: Why couldn't you take that money and put it towards building a Damn planet that looked like a planet instead of a cardboard cutout earlier in the
0: movie. It's just a mat, man. It's easier to do a mat in that shot. It it makes sense, bro. It makes sense from a financial standpoint. It it just makes sense. I mean, you don't spend, man. You don't spend all your money on like three seconds of screen time. You spend your money where you're gonna, you're gonna. I mean, seriously, yeah.
2: Seriously, it's it's, it's, dude. It's seriously. I mean tell me dude you could not make a you could make a freaking paper paper mache version of Jupiter out of chicken wire glue made from flour and newspaper and paint
0: no no i disagree with that i disagree i'm with just that. saying no, i, th- I think run. i think the i think the Matt painting was way better than that look it, the movement looked funny the, the 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 look of everything i thought looked fine it's just the movement of it I don't think anything looks bad. It's just the movement and the physics of the movement and how it relates to the space on the screen. Things are moving too fast at the distances that they should be traveling. That's what's wrong with the shot, not the look of anything. If the movement was corrected, that shot would look 100% fine. 1965. How many people had done this? this? This movie came out before 2001, A Space Odyssey, so think about that for yes a second. it did okay so you know the spaceships coming out of the water now that, that those look great you, you think it's godzilla coming out of the water it's it's the spaceships the ufos it, it turns out that the aliens were on earth the entire time these planet x bastards were hiding in lake mayogen that looks great the design of the ufos looks great oh man i love the way these ufos look you got like a like cow nipples like underneath of them that That shoot out mind controlling beams and beams that can blow up things and melt things and oh they're awesome.
2: All Godzilla movies in general, it's like either go big or just don't do it at all. And I mean, like even right here, you got you know you know spaceships coming out of the water and then they hit like these tractor beams, grab a hold to Godzilla and Rodan. That I actually think was done very very well. Oh, Gee.
0: man, this whole sequence is done awesome. Like, how they get Godzilla out of the water. Like, these cool little optical effects shimmering down from the UFO to bring up Godzilla. And then these little circular dunads like, come around Godzilla. And for- it forms, like, this little force field around Godzilla. And you can see it, like, hovering over the UFO. And then they, they bust Rodan out and of uh, the side of a mountain man like they oh it's so it's it's amazing dude it's amazing
2: well this is the moment i personally feel that when i watch this movie that i actually start to get excited
0: before they're getting the the monsters out they, the aliens do land the planet Xers yeah. come out of this this spaceship and they come to talk to the humans to pretty much apologize for hiding in the lake and and they're going to you know they're going to bring them back fuji and glenn and I think the I forget the scientist name, but he's he's in so many of the Godzilla movies as well too. They're gonna bring three astronauts along with them uh, to give him the cure for cancer back on their planet.
2: Arriving on planet X and with Godzilla and Rodan. The you know these shots are really good, man. There's a little bit of dialogue on the spaceship, and then they get to the planet and they release Rodan and they release Godzilla. And they have the you know the big fight with with Geedra. and I mean, dude, this this is a really good fight sequence right here, man. This is,
0: and I checked, it is forty eight minutes and thirty seconds into the movie. Yeah, yeah, when it and starts, yeah, yeah, I, dude, that's a long time to go with no. I mean, no, get them pulled out of the lake, you get him pulled out of the mountain, you know, and they are traveling with this force field behind these UFOs, so there is some. There's some action going on here.
2: You got Rodan picking up big ass rocks and dropping them on Ghidra. And what, what about what about what about the chest slam, man? I mean,
0: this
2: fight's okay.
0: I, it's it's. Dude,
2: I mean, I don't know. I I enjoyed this fight. I, I, I just like thought the it was setting. kind of really short.
0: You know, okay. To, to be honest, I have a problem with it because it, some of it is a repeat of what happened with the end fight scene in Ghidra the Three-headed Monster. You know where they're yeah. Godzilla's like hiding behind rocks in the beginning and Ghidra yeah. is like shooting lightning out from his mouth. Because he's a big three headed dragon with two wings, shooting these lightning bolts out. Godzilla's getting covered behind a rock. It's it's very similar to like Verdan so doing the same
2: thing. What's what's the line that the alien uses? We're watching an epic battle here.
0: No, a historic battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: historic battle. We're watching a historic battle here
0: it is it's a okay it's a good monster battle i mean they're they're watching it on their viewer screens and they you know evil layer in, on planet x the the monster battle is good um you can see a lot of wires though yeah in this i think it's it's because maybe the the background of the sky is very dark i don't know if that brings the wires out more i don't know if they they had to use more lights and that and that's what did it but there are a lot of wires in this scene like even when Godzilla gets, because um, in Godzilla has a stupid pose. Like when he, when they pull him out of the lake, he's like holding his tail like it's a, a pacifier, <laughs> like it's his blanket or something.
2: Yeah, like he's <laughs> in a fetal position.
0: Yeah, kind of. And then, uh, you know, when they get him on the planet and they, I don't know, the zap him out of his little force field, uh, and he wakes up on Planet X. He he's in that same position, and you can see oh, there's so many wires like lifting up Godzilla in that shot, and. And oh it, yeah, it's not the end of the world. I, you know, they, they had to do it.
2: The one thing that I don't, I don't really get, like, and it kind of caught me off guard, like, the little Irish jig. Oh, the that, little uh, victory dance. Godzilla does. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's the the Shea. Apparently, it was. Uh, it's based off of um some really famous uh Japanese manga. Some character does that uh dance when he gets really excited. It was a Japanese pop culture thing. And they they, they did yeah, keep it, it just, in the American dub though, which is
2: they definitely did.
0: You know, it just it it just looks really goofy here because you know you don't have the reference for it.
2: You know, afterwards, like the the commander of Planet X is like, "Oh, we finally drove away the monster, and no casualties." And then we go into you know where Fuji and Glenn are, are are talking.
0: They're they're straight up doing some uh some uh, some exploring that they shouldn't
2: be do-
0: doing around Planet X. Yeah,
2: it's like it's like Commander Planet X is just like, oh, where did they go? It's Like you didn't <laughs> see these guys just get up and walk away? The Professor's like, I I,
0: I, I have no idea. What are you, what are you talking about? What, I don't know. What two guys? Maybe they
2: snuck down a hallway and got on an elevator. D- did I <laughs>
0: did I show up with two other Earthlings? No, sh- surely I didn't.
2: I- uh, they both just said. They, they just both had to go to the bathroom at the same
0: time. I oh, do. I love that little elevator they use when they,
2: <laughs> they the Planet yeah, X like, guards what about, what they, coming after What's up them? with that random ass, like, combination of buttons And they They're just, like, palm in the
0: They're just like, quick, press, yeah, press some buttons, and, you know, it ends up working. I, but I do like how the, people from Planet X come up right behind it, and they're pressing this, the buttons, and it's like, you, you guys should know how this works. And it's like, these stupid earthlings broke it.
2: <laughs> then you find out, like, the whole theory that they have, like, you know, the planet's running out of water. And then you find out, like,
0: like every woman on Planet X is Kumi Mizuno. Uh, and, you know, yeah. of course, like, you know, Nick Adams' Glenn character, like, he's he's all... Uh, flipping out because he's like, "Oh, now we come. Uh, what's going on? How are you here?" And then all of a sudden, another now we come shows up from around the corner, and he he's just like, "What?
2: How's there more than one of you?"
0: They they end up getting captured and everything, and he has a a, a moment with the controller where he's just like, "Why do all your women look the same? Like that one woman's beautiful. Like what, what are you talking about? We're good." He, he, he does, he starts going into like Nick Adams, does have this moment where he's like, No, 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 like beauty is, you just can't have one vision of beauty. It's it's in all of us, man. And he starts almost going into this hippie speech and he ends up getting like, kind of cut off.
2: Once again, I feel like that whole hippie speech was kind of pointless.
0: No, <laughs> I mean- no, I mean, it It sets up the now we, Glenn relationship. It, it it helps it can conclude, you know, you, you get to know a little bit yeah. what the characters thinking. Yeah, you do. I will say though, this is when I realized all the aliens were not only are they the bad guys, but they're definitely dicks. These aliens are such dicks because they gave them a ride to planet X and they're super like almost light speed, traveling UFOs flying saucers, right? They're going out, they're going that way. To planet X Yeah, when they send them back to earth, they're like, yeah, we, we remade your shitty, uh, P one rocket, but, uh, Oh, we did it better than, uh, you fucking earthlings did. So have a, have a good trip home. And he's like, yeah, okay. We're giving you the cure of cancer. We're going to, we're going to give it and to you. Now. And it's yeah, like, I'm why didn't you guys bring the cure to, uh, for cancer to earth? When you came to earth yeah. to get the monster. Yeah. You were hiding in our lake. Yeah. Why don't you bring the cure to cancer or all disease, whatever version you're watching. Why don't you bring that with you? You made us travel all the way to your planet to watch a monster fight and then to, to send us back in a spaceship that you made better. You're just gloating and being dicks.
2: You know you know one kind of thing that I kind of thought was messed up? It's like Rodan and Godzilla are looking up at the spaceship like,
0: hey, man, where the hell are these guys going? Oh, that is kind of a sad scene. <laughs> yeah,
2: it is, isn't it?
0: He's like, I mean, dude, you're just leaving us here? i mean, come on, Planet X kind of sucks, dude. Like, all they got is rocks. There's no cities to like destroy or anything, or there's no other monsters to fight here. Come on, man! Don't just. There's no lakes.
2: And then it cuts directly to that weird scene. <laughs> afterwards, dude. It's like that, jokes on you.
0: That uh, I laughed at that when I was a kid. They they put the tape in. Everybody's gathering around. They're like, "All right, we're gonna get the cure for all all diseases. They're gonna give it to us, guys. Let's listen to it. We're we're so excited. Surprise, Earthlings. And meanwhile, you've all, all been had.
2: Meanwhile, the <laughs> The the inventor boyfriend, he's been in, he's straight up in and locked up, like he was in prison.
0: They tell like the whole world, like, hey, look, we're gonna take planet Earth over. You're you're now a Planet X colony. The entire Earth is a colony of Planet X. They do this really cool montage with the newspaper clippings, and it's like two factions are broken out. People that think we should stand against the people of planet X and those that think we should riot rage. Yeah, go along with them. And yeah, they, they, there's like wars that break out with like different, different earthlings, bleeding different things all over the, all over the world, all over the globe. It's this huge national crisis. Yeah. It's, it's the first time in a Godzilla film where you really, you really feel the stakes and, and things are happening outside of just this, a small section in Japan.
2: And then after this, we straight up go into Nick Adams going into the whatever the hell that building is going
0: into. Yeah, he's going into some, uh, some looted building. Like, it, the rioters have already uh, gone through and ransacked the place, but I don't know what that is. I, I guess it was supposed to be, like, the space agency he was working for, but you see that place yeah. later on, and it looks like it's fine. And it's like, there's yeah. no way you guys could have cleaned that up in, like, a couple of days. That would have taken, like, four weeks to clean that shit up.
2: Yeah, I know shit, right? The building is like all messed up. Well, I think from now on in this podcast, also we should we should refer to all the Kumi Mizenos as being the Kumi clones. The Kumi (laughs) clones? because it's so much easier. It's so much more simplified. But okay, but this is
0: this is the the chick that's in the building is actually this is the actual Miss Nami This is the one
2: that he fell in love with. She's Kumi clone number one.
0: Well, we don't know if she's number one. I mean, she could be like number 5,000, but this is the one that fell in love with Aspen. Well,
2: this is the number one we know, okay? Okay, yeah, fair enough. This is the number one for this film. <laughs> she's model she's, 1 million. We, we shall refer to her as the Kumi clone number one.
0: But yeah, he, he finds her in there, and they again, she's talking about marriage, and she, she's like, look, you got to just give yourself up to computer society. And they she starts laying on... A lot of knowledge here about Planet X and how they're governed by machines. You know, earlier in the movie, you get the knowledge that uh, the controller can already feed his brainwaves into computers, so anything he thinks, the computer will do. You also get the idea that they're ruled by these computers. Like logic is supreme. Then, if it's not logical, it doesn't exist.
2: But then she, but then she gets this weird Matrix glitch. Man, she falls like, in love. Yeah,
0: I actually fell in love with you. I really did. Paul, oh, that's not a matrix actually, glitch, glitch, man. She saw Nick Adams and she was like, I need me some of that Glenn Astronaut. Oh, look at that beautiful blonde hair. Her circuits just went haywire.
2: <laughs> Nick Adams, come to the dark side.
0: Uh, pretty much that's what happened. Nick Adams, Luke skywalker
2: yeah. that Darth Vader. After that, I, don't, I there's nothing else I can do.
0: Well, she uh, well, she ends they, up dying. They, the Dick Colony, and that, that's something I really want to know. Like they they say that they're that they're a colony. They're in charge of this section. Yeah, that doesn't. But they don't show another much group much. of of Planet X people outside of this one group.
2: When the when the aliens actually do finally attack, you know, after Nick Adams breaks the nerdy boyfriend out of jail,
0: Kimi Muzuno earlier slipped a a note with the sound device, right? Or, or was it just the note? It was just the note. She slips the note that lets you know that, like, you know, the sound that the toy maker made is the downfall of all the aliens, and they kind of put two and two together. And,
2: and this movie kind of turns out into, like, a really weird Godzilla-esque older version of Independence Day.
0: Yeah, I guess the, the whole movie is kind of like Independence Day with kaijus. I mean, they do a better job of taking over the world. Okay, maybe not a better job, but a cooler job. I mean...
2: Definitely do do a cooler job.
0: I mean, they bring some monsters with them. They bring Godzilla and Rodan and King Ghidra, and they're like, look, these these monsters are under our mind control. If you guys don't do what we say, we're going to unleash these monsters all over all these cities, and you guys are going to be screwed. And they do that. Yeah, yeah, they give them like some kind of timetable. The aliens do really stupid things where they're like, you guys haven't responded to us, so we're going to give you 24 hours or we're going to destroy you with these monsters that we have uh, under control with our radio waves or brain waves or whatever. And the minute they, the scientists yeah, hear this that. Is
2: after they, yeah, this is after they melt the satellite. Oh, yeah, that's a cool fucking shot. When the other beams are getting blasted.
0: Those aliens totally just give the, the whole plan away. Like These Earth scientists are like, oh, wait, we know exactly what to do. Pull something like literally. There's a shot where they pull something out of a drawer, and they're like, "Look, we got it. We know. We know what to do. We and, got it right here." Yeah, and they
2: and they do are like you talking about the scene. Are you talking about the scene with the
0: lasers, the yeah. yeah, the the radio waves, and they. Yeah. And that's when Akira Takarada is like, okay, and he does a demonstration for the people at the UN because
2: they don't yeah. know whether they're yeah, going to attack the aliens or not. He's like, "Let's over attract the aliens." Radio waves,
0: and they do these cool optical effects uh, with the radio waves. That, that's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, that is pretty pretty cool.
0: I remember seeing this as a, as a child, and I always understood it. It's very clearly demonstrated. sure Ash- Honda is is really good at it, you know at getting those what could be complicated things. I mean, granted, the characters are saying everything, but he, he's shooting it well. He's giving you the inserts that you need and giving you the information.
2: Gidra rodan and godzilla and you know they're they're under their control and the army all of a sudden all of a sudden starts firing on godzilla and then you see like these armored vehicles come rolling through the alien kind of the alien ship kind of comes through and shoots out one of its utter blasters that explosion right there man looks looks pretty cool
0: wait did you just say utter blaster yeah it does look like a cow's udder, doesn't it? It does
2: look like a damn cow's udder.
0: <laughs> okay, I was just making sure. I was making sure I heard you right.
2: Yeah, yeah, I said udder blaster. <laughs> All right,
0: that's it's a, it's a flying saucer with an udder blaster. All right, okay, I love it. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the dude, the explosions are pretty cool because, like, when they blow up, there's like this uh, the the explosion effect is really weird because you, you don't see fire. It's like red sand. Yeah, it's 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 kind of weird. I don't know if or it's like it's like red powder or something. Like when it blows up, you get like this red like red and orange kind of like mist effect. But there's no yeah, kind of and then like, like, As soon as
2: it's like it, shoot, it shoots and blows up one truck, and then shoots and blows up the second truck, and then I, I really enjoyed that that pan in that zoom in that super quick zoom in on the spaceship, and then it cuts to. Oh That's yeah. Commander X or controller X or whatever his name is. Yeah, I, just the controller.
0: Controller. So yeah, like so, Tetsy Tory and uh Glenn, they end up they end up getting out with their the lady guard, the cool little annoying loud noise maker. Rape yeah. whistle, whatever you want to call it.
2: Yeah, rape whistle.
0: <laughs> they get out and they decide that they're gonna broadcast this. Akira Takarada, he realizes that maybe, maybe uh, Tetsu Tori's not so bad after all. But they broadcast it um, through the radios and everything like that. And this this messes the aliens all up. And I love the the smoking UFO effect.
2: I enjoyed that too.
0: I I don't even know what they're called, but they're not maser cannons. But I I don't know what they're called, but the, the little. Things that shoot out the radio wave beams—they look like ma- they look like the maser cannons almost from um, War of the Gargantuas. but not quite. They have these weird little funky ends. It's 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 a cool vehicle. So they're shooting those at the flying saucer to break the radio waves that are are the brain waves that are shooting and the flying course,
2: smoking, and you got what looks like a bunch of flares and pyrotechnics. You know, and
0: you constantly yeah. get those shots of the the speakers. And then the house the just lady blows guard. up
2: too. Oh no! You
0: they're sh- they're shooting it with the tanks. There's like the army comes in with the tanks and they start shooting the uh, the secret hideout base of the uh, the aliens.
2: The the one shots, man, that I really did love a lot, man. And I thought really awesome. They blew the two alien ships up, and then you got Godzilla and Rodan just laying on the ground. And then you get the close-up on Godzilla's face. And his oh. eyes move back and forth. And then he starts to move his mouth. And then, like, he just gets up with the quickness.
0: I like the one with King Ghidra. And his, all of his heads are, like, laying on his chest.
2: And you can see him breathing real quick. Yeah, he's kind of coiled up like a snake almost. I don't like
0: Rodan's, though, because he's got that weird thorn right in front of his eye. Yeah. Going back real quick, before the monsters get... Out of their brainwashing, the Planet X controller is is clearly trying to commit like uh, a, a suicide. But he's yeah. got this really weird line where he's like, "I need to let's escape into the future." Because he says, "Let's escape into the future, that dimension we've never seen." And he he says he says things very similar to that, even in the Japanese cut, where both both versions are very similarly vague like that. And I, I always thought that was extremely interesting because. Do they know about some kind of other plane of existence because they're so advanced, or is he just saying like, oh, God, "No, come on, guys, uh, let's all just let's kill ourselves and see what happens"? Who knows?
2: That's kind of one of those weird, almost ambiguous movies in the moments in the movie. You know, and another thing that got me was like, we're saying that those uh, radio wave jammers or whatever they were that they used to destroy the alien spaceships. They created those damn things mighty quick, too.
0: You have those trucks laying around all the time. I don't know. No, I I totally agree with you because the aliens give them like 24 hours. To and they
2: straight up constructed three of these damn things in less than 24 hours?
0: The aliens, their computers start telling them something's wrong. They start getting more red dots yeah. on their screen. So they go ahead and start advancing the attack and you do you do get some awesome monster actions of Godzilla and Rodan and King Ghidra just destroying the shit out of some cities. And it, that that is amazing. Yeah, you do get a lot of that. You do get some stock footage from Rodan in that section too. And I think yeah. some from King Ghidra, the three-headed monster, I think is also in there. I'm not 100% sure. But dude, I know I've seen that yeah. shot from Rodan. There's a shot of like this army guy running by, and he's like, oh, he's getting blown by Rodan, and he goes through frame, and then another one comes by, and there's a tree in the middle of the frame, and he hangs on to it for a second, and then he gets blown off frame. I've seen that shot in at least three Godzilla films.
2: He's like, they just keep regurgitating it.
0: Yeah, and I don't know why they, I guess they just ran out of time, so they needed to use some stock, or they just wanted to pad out the scenes to make make them a little bit more exciting. But they do incorporate new footage. Like, I mean, there's a lot of new footage. Yeah, there is. And the monster destruction scenes, like, they do miniature uh, puppets that are used for Godzilla, um, Rodan, and King Ghidra in that scene. There is a giant, I think it's a, is it a five foot? It's a five foot tall Godzilla foot that they constructed to crash through some model houses.
2: They they're all under control of the alien.
0: Yeah, dude, that works when they're, just, yeah, they're going through and destroying the city and stuff.
2: You know, you have the whole the whole big battle sequence between Rodan, Ghidra, and Godzilla at the end. And it's so crazy because, like, Ghidra's sitting there, and Godzilla just gets up and, like, hey, bitch. Kicks a rock at him.
0: Get oh, up. yeah. Let's fight. Godzilla <laughs> totally instigates that fight. I, well, if you think about, like, Godzilla and Rodan's perspective, they were like, you know, hey, we're, I'm chilling in a mountain. I'm chilling in a lake. Next thing I know, I'm, I wake up, I'm on a different planet, there's King Ghidra, that guy, I hate him, I saw him like a year ago, he pissed me off, I'm gonna kick his ass right now on this planet, and then you, then you get brainwashed again, and the next thing you know, you wake up on Earth, and you're like, well, god damn, there's that King Ghidra again,
2: Oh Yeah, and when, when there's one part of this fight sequence, man, where I don't, I don't really get it, where it's like, Godzilla's like doing the most of the work, like he's doing the dirty work. Yeah, well, and Rodan's just what like, can Rodan really I'm just do, gonna though. grab Ghidra's tail. Just gonna oh. yank on his tail a little bit. That's how I'm gonna contribute.
0: Yeah, uh, that part of the fight's not, but you know, when it switches and Godzilla grabs uh, Ghidra's tail, that I like.
2: Yeah, he's just shooting all the lightning at Godzilla and across the ground. And Rodan comes in, he gets hit a little bit too.
0: Man, when Rodan comes in, man, that's, when you're talking about one of those spark scenes, the suits being on fire with the actors in them. Yeah. Rodan just comes in there and hits Gijar like, right in all three faces in the wings, and you can tell they like they let off some sparks, and some of those sparks, like, caught that costume on fire for, a, I don't know if, oh, how yeah. long, but you can see it on film. You can you see it. You can pause
2: the movie. It's amazing. The very end of that fight sequence is just phenomenal, too, man. That's be one of my favorite Godzilla fight scenes, man. The f- Where Godzilla grabs him, and then, like, Rodan picks up Godzilla and, like, throws him into Ghidra, and then they roll down the mountain, the side of the cliff or whatever.
0: That is a lot of fun to watch. I'll agree with that. This in-battle here at Earth is just, I like how it's choreographed so much better. I think it's just, it's more interesting I like the one on Planet X just because it's on Planet X. It looks, it's somewhere different. I don't know. I just, I just like it more. You know,
2: it's all around a a straight up better fight scene or a better battle scene.
0: It's not as good as, as Ghidra the three headed monster, though. Like, that's the superior, to me, that's a superior monster battle, to be
2: honest. I don't know, dude. I like that battle but i also like the battle between mothra and godzilla and also like the battle a lot between godzilla and Godzilla.
0: this one's just so closely related to that one the only difference is that yeah. mothra is
2: added and king Ghidra.
0: Eh, you know that's the only reason i even bring it up but you
2: know at, at the very end of the battle rodan godzilla and Ghidra all three go tumbling down the side of this cliff and they hit the ocean it pretty much creates a like a tsunami and that whole shot where it knocks the houses down and everything—I th- I thought that was done very, very good. But one thing I kind of was a little bit bummed out about was like you see Ghidra come out of the water, oh yeah, and just this, fly yes. off, and then like oh well, I guess that was it. That's I guess it. we're done then,
0: dude. That totally bummed me out when I was a kid, man. It's like, what happened to Godzilla and Rodan? I know. Okay, look, Nick Adams, a re- reassurance, like yeah, oh, come on, they're they're so tough. Don't worry about them. But it's like, no, man, I don't care yeah. what the fuck he says, man. I need, I need to see it. I need to see him. Like, your, your
2: assurance means jack to me.
0: Yeah, the bad guy, the villain of the whole piece, the the kaiju villain, rose out of the water. Where are my good guys, man? Where's Rodan and Godzilla? That is such a bummer. That
2: I, is a major bummer.
0: I guess they needed you uh give you a reason to go see the next one, but... Man, I I always hated that. It just, when the movie ends, it feels a little incomplete.
2: It's kind of rushed.
0: I want to know what happens to Godzilla and Rodan. I don't feel like that fight was finished yeah. at all. I have no real resolution from it other than the fact that, okay, Ghidra is off of Earth. Um, the professor goes up to uh, to Glenn and says something like, oh, yeah, you're going to be your ambassador up there to all those people that are on planet X. And it's like, wait a minute, wait. There's there's people still up there. I thought that all the all the aliens from Planet X were invading Earth. I thought that was all of them. So you're telling me that there's still people up there, and all their women look like the the girl that this guy loved. And you're gonna send him up as the ambassador? I don't know if this is a good plan. This raises a lot of questions. Kumi clone heaven. I I, I kind of want to see what happens here. You know what I mean?
2: That dude. That dude was definitely in Kumi clone heaven.
0: I mean, I guess, man. I mean, we don't know. But even as a kid, I I remember like just the end of the movie just raised so many more questions that I wanted answered. And then all these Godzilla movies we got it just just completely dropped. That's Godzilla versus Monster Zero. Uh, Paul, give us your final thoughts, sir.
2: Overall, I think this movie is a very, very enjoy enjoyable movie. I feel that. It's you know, one of the high ranked Godzilla movies in my opinion. Even though it does have some continuity and character flaws, it's still a good kaiju movie, still a good monster movie, still a halfway decent sci-fi movie. I recommend on anybody checking it out. Everybody check it out. Hell oh, it's an awesome movie. And you, sir.
0: I'd probably put it somewhere. some way I'd probably put it number six in my in my in my overall ranking of the entire series. It's not my favorite Godzilla film. It it is that Godzilla film that kind of, if you, if you want to show it to somebody that's never seen a Godzilla film before, I think it it encompasses the entire Godzilla series as a whole very nicely. You have your outlandish sci finess. You have you still have your fantasy elements. You still you still have giant monster battles. You have good characters. This movie has good acting in it. You know we don't we don't really talk about the acting a lot and. You know, a lot of people don't look at the acting because of the of the dubbing. But, you know, some of the people that that criticize these films for the acting, they don't criticize the same exact performers in Kurosawa films. And that's not because yeah. the actors are, are just always doing something perfect for this one director and never doing anything right for this other director. You know, come on. Some of that, that's dubbing getting your way and you're watching a foreign performance. Sometimes you have bad collaborations, but I don't think that was the case here.
2: Well, not only that, but people didn't just didn't give them a chance because of the style of movie and the type of movie they were. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Once you sit down and watch them, they they are extraordinarily good movies. There was a lot of detail, a lot of time, and a lot of effort put into these movies, and I feel that they should be well-respected for what they are. Uh,
0: great movie, great Godzilla film. Give it a watch. Give it the old college go. All right, so if you want to get in touch with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's the movie crew, and crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E, extra E at the end of crew, at gmail.com. You guys can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Pod. Uh, guys, please uh, give us a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Helps people find out about the show, and we certainly appreciate that. Paul, where can people follow you, sir?
2: They can follow me at PaulRWilliamsJ1 on Twitter. Yes, and uh, you guys should also check out Mr. C.J. Lee and Aquarius Weapons. We always
0: close the show out with a little bit of music, and tonight is absolutely no exception. Um, We haven't really talked about the soundtrack at all, but I am a huge fan of the Godzilla scores. The track we're playing tonight is from The Best of Godzilla, 1954 to 1978. This is track 18 off that disc Monster Battle March. Enjoy.